Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. NFL Combine Week was in full force this week as everybody's getting geared up for the NFL Draft. We begin with the Arrowhead Pride Draft Room as they discuss some of the top Combine prospects they were interested in this week. Then we'll follow that up with a special edition of Chiefs Coast to Coast. They took to a Twitter space to get some of your questions ahead of this week's NFL Combine. After that, we'll take a quick timeout, and then we've got the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. They broke down everything we heard from Andy Reid and Brett Veach at the NFL Combine. Then we'll finish things up with a new episode of Draft Talk. Ron Kopp, Talon Graf sat down, and they did a full first-round mock draft. But because this is the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week, if you want to hear the full mock draft, you're going to have to go find that on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. But we gave you 24 to 30, so you could still hear their Chiefs breakdown. That's all coming up on today's edition of the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Yeah, you know, you're right. Film has, has gone into everything we know about what the draft pucks, prospects right now, whether it's even senior bowl film, game film. Well, now we're going to know a lot about, you know, how fast they are compared to each other, which ones, which guys are the stronger ones, which guys are the quickest ones, you know, who looks the best throwing a ball over and over, you know, it's on air to receivers, quarterback wise. It is a great time uh, real quick for the listeners, if you didn't know. So Thursday, March 3rd, will be when the quarterbacks, receivers and tight ends work out. Friday, we will see the running backs, offensive linemen, and special teams work out. Saturday, we got the defensive linemen, so edge and interior defensive linemen, and linebackers will be working out Saturday. And then Sunday finishes with the defensive backs, both corners and safeties. So got a big week coming up. We are here to preview the combine from all things Chiefs perspective, but just in general, NFL draft-wise. And to do that, we had a little game, not, you know, not much of a game, actually, I, sh- I, I can't say, but uh, each, each person here, each, each one of us is going to pick out a prospect and we actually got three of them each, but pick out a prospect that we think when we look at their combine performance at the end of this, we're going to guess that that mean you know, their combine performance could skyrocket their stock in the NFL draft, or it could plummet it. One way or another, this player it has a lot riding on this combine more than others at the combine, uh, according you know with the prospects and stuff. And to make it a little fun, we're not just going to pick anyone in the top ten, top fifteen. These players we're picking, they have to be realistic uh, to to be a Chiefs pick at number thirty or later, or one of the second round picks, right? So, with all that said, let's get into some draft prospects. It's going to be a fun show because we're going to be talking about a lot of draft draft prospects, bringing up names we haven't talked about yet. And I don't think we've talked about this guy yet. Brian, I'm going to kick, you're going to kick it off for us with your first player that you're looking for. You're having a little bit of a closer eye here at the combine this week. First and foremost, we've got Tariq Woolen. Um, just started kind of my study with this player recently. He's a cornerback out of the University of Texas, San Antonio. So not, you know, a powerhouse, power five school, but he's hovering just over six foot three. 200 plus pounds, um, and, and he's long limbed. He only played cornerback for two years, uh, was a wide receiver, and so he's very raw that way. And a lot of his projection to the pro level is going to be, you know, whoever takes him, they're betting that not only is his best football in his future, but he's got a lot of room to grow because he is so new to the, uh, to the position. But what really caught me with this uh, player is, 
at the senior bowl, he registered the fastest recording um, for miles per hour in terms of foot speed, 22.45 miles per hour, which was uh, since they started doing that, that's the record um, really impressive for a player of his size. And, and I think in terms of the one-on-ones and in, in the gameplay, he showed better patience than maybe I would have expected being kind of raw. You know, he held up pretty well in terms of keeping it leverage on the inside shoulder uh, when he was pressed. And, and you can just tell that he trusts that speed, that recovery speed where he knows even if he gets beat a little bit off the line, he's got more than enough uh, uh, in his, in those long strides to catch up. And I think that, That'll be intriguing for Kansas City. We know their cornerbacks. They're tested downfield a lot. And um, so having a player like that who you know is going to be confident in those situations and, and can handle it physically, uh, which I think we'll see at the Combine when he, he puts up some really good numbers. Um, now, I will say he, he doesn't really show desire to tackle, and I think that's more problematic nowadays than even it was five years ago at the corner position. But – when he tests, and and I think it's going to be a lot of good with his athletic testing. There's going to be a team who wants to take take a chance on him day two, yeah. and uh, it's just a matter of how high and and who's that team going to be that that risks it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think from a Chiefs perspective, you look at you know his value when when he's not much of a tackler. You know, maybe you you don't value him as high as another team, maybe, and and that's where I think you know the value might just be too much for the Chiefs uh, for what they're looking at. Because you're right, speed matters in the NFL, and man, these teams once they see that number that he's probably going to put up, uh, they are they are definitely going to be uh, boosting his stock a little bit. But we're going to stay at cornerback with a with a little bit of a bigger name. Um, you know, actually a great name uh, just in general. Uh, this guy Talon, uh, who are you looking at here? So I'm looking at Cincinnati's Kobe Bryant. Um, and the biggest thing with him is w- watching the film, the biggest holes are in the, in the tackling department. He seems to, to, to lunge and kind of dive and not really show good fundamentals in tackling, but that I think staffs will look that as, as fixable that that's not something that's going to really knock him down that much. I don't think, um, but right now he's kind of being valued around the third round, but if he goes out and shows out that he, he has that elite athleticism and he's showed on film that he can play in zone, he can play man, he can press. Um, he's got he's got the length that that you look for in press man coverage, uh, and I think some people I think he just kind of gets hidden in that Cincinnati defense. It's so loaded from top to bottom that there there are playmakers everywhere, especially in that secondary. He was playing with uh, Brian Cook in this in, at, at safety, and then Sauce Gardner at the other. You know, there's there's a lot of guys, um, but I think at the combine, if he goes out and really really shows well in the drills, he's, he's fluid, he has got good hips, um, uh, shows you that that the footwork is there. I think he could shoot up possibly into the second round. I might might even put him into the first um, if, if he does well enough. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does. Man, he's he's a guy that had to take or you know kind of had to take the the brunt of the work when in their conference, right? No one's going to be throwing at at the other corner on that team, right? Uh, Sauce Gardner, obviously the the potential top ten, top fifteen pick in this year's draft. And what he did with it is played well enough to earn the Jim Thorpe Award, which apparently, well, it's the best you know defensive back in the country for those who don't know. But apparently, it's only the second time ever a non-power five player has won it. And so this guy has the pedigree, man. He he stepped up, like I said, you know he he had to take on a a, a huge challenge, uh, you know, taking on all the work for the most part because quarterbacks are trying to avoid his teammate. 
and he did a really good job with it. Uh, you know, like I said, great name. And then, yeah, so any Cincinnati defense, it's kind of like the Georgia defense. Any Cincinnati defenders, bring them home, bring them here. My guy, though, I'm going to go with here is the edge rusher from University of Minnesota, Boye Mafe. And he's kind of he's kind of someone that's uh, his name's starting to get bigger and bigger. Um, projected around a probably you know late second, probably around that sixty-two number right now. But I could see him becoming a player that they may not even be able to get to with number thirty. I've already actually seen some people start mocking him, you know, earlier than than number thirty. And it's because of what he's going to do at the combine. This guy is someone that that uh, you can almost guarantee his stock is going to skyrocket after the combine. He's a guy that's on Bruce Feldman's famous, you know, freaks list. He does that every pre, uh, college preseason last year. Mafe made it. And it's because one thing, it's because it's vertical. Apparently his vertical, they're expecting it to be about 40 and a half inches, which is four and a half inches higher than any other defensive lineman had at the combine last season. And so that tells you that right there. Um, his 10, 10 yard split apparently is about a 1.58, which is ridiculous. Anything of a level 1.6 for, for his kind of position just ridiculous apparently he can power clean 400 pounds according to bruce feldman yeah this guy's a, a freak as an edge rusher as as a player I, I do like some of the things he can do very you know has a lot of hand usage you know he's going to use those hands a lot I, I think we talked about it with with christian actually on the in the draft talk show rocky actually made a good point you know because actually mafia someone i tweeted about and rocky replied saying you know those hand you know the hands are cool but did he finish towards the quarterback right uh, it was he actually, you know, did that play result in anything because I got, you know, the quarterback actually was still able to throw a 70 yard touchdown on that, on that play actually. So it's one of those things where Mafe is probably still, you know, he's maybe not as natural in terms of being a pass rusher and like finishing towards the quarterback always, you know, uh, you know, his wins are, you know, towards the quarterback, right? Not just winning, just win. And that's something that he maybe needs to work on a little bit. Maybe he's just not as natural as some other guys in this class, but. Freaks-wise, athletic-wise, uh, combine-wise, his numbers are going to be insane. And he's going to end up being a guy that, that's probably going to be a, have to be a pick at 30 if the Chiefs want him, or maybe, a, a uh, you know, they might even have to trade up a little bit. They really wanted him. I don't see the Chiefs trading up for, for an edge rusher necessarily, but if they really like a guy, they could. But we're going to talk about another edge rusher now. Brian's got another one here for us. Who did you go with for your second guy? Next up, uh, this is a player that you and, and Christian and talked about the other day on the Draft Talk pod, uh, Arnold Epikiti out of Penn State. Um, and this is kind of a situation where I would almost say for the Chiefs at least, it would be more ideal if he doesn't just totally surprise people with great numbers at the Combine. Right. Because I really expect that we're going to look at him and say the film is better than whatever he, he does athletically at, at the combine. So um, he's a transfer from Temple. This was his first and only season at Penn State, and he put nine and a half sacks up, made a lot of plays in the backfield against the run, uh, just showed a really high football IQ and, and plays with a ton of discipline. Now where my concerns come in in terms of, you know, how's he going to perform next week? You know, he has some tightness in his hips. He, he's he got room to grow into his lower half and, and put on some weight in a good way and add some power. Um, but kind of like you were saying with Mafe, Ron, he is really, really good with the hands. Um, to, I, I saw one of the better, stronger rip moves out of him of all the edge rushers in this class. And he has enough burst to, to create some opportunities to really stress 
the offensive tackle outside, but then cut it back in and, and win to the inside. Um, and you want to see that because let's say he doesn't test the best. He's not going to be Boye Mafe, but he's shown you on film that he does have that requisite of athletic ability to create opportunities inside and out. You know, he doesn't just have to win up the arc or um, things like that or what have you. So, yeah, like I said, it's kind of a situation where I think in a real ideal world, you know, he's kind of being mocked in that 30 to 45 range, 50 range. And if he doesn't have a great combine, it might knock him down closer to the chief second round pick, um, you know, in the, in the 60 area. And that would be a great place to pick a player like this up, I think. And, and I don't know about round one because I, I don't know if that elite ceiling is necessarily there due to uh, some of that stiffness in his build. Well, and I agree. I agree with you for sure. And I think another thing too, uh, and, and another point we need to make about the combine is it's not just about the athletic testing. I think Ebiketti is a guy that you kind of can just tell he's, he's kind of is who he is now. I feel like he doesn't have a lot to grow into in terms of body size, in terms of frame. I feel like he, he kind of is, he's kind of where he's at supposed to be at least physical wise. I could be wrong on that, but that's something they can figure out at the combine. Um, and, and that's something where, you know, he's not, he's not going to be the most physically daunting dude. And that's kind of where, yeah, you don't want to take a guy like that at 30. I think you want to take the swings on, on high pro, you know, big time, you know, high profile, uh, physics, uh, in a physic physique, I should say, uh, in the first round, second round, it's a good pick town. I'm gonna put you on the spot though. Cause I am curious. You ranked our edge rushers for us. Top 10 edge rushers, you know, earlier, earlier this, uh, this off season, we just talked about Mafe and Ebiketti, kind of both in that same range. I would say, do you have a preference between the two right now when you're when you're looking at uh, you know who you'd rather have as a chief? I think Mafe, just in terms of the scheme fit, um, Ebiketti, I just like him better coming off the edge and standing up. I think he's more of a TJ Watt kind of role. Um, yeah, and, and I, yeah, that's the only reason. I don't think I don't think either one of them is going to have necessarily a better career or long long-standing, but I just, in terms of scheme fit, if I had to come down to it, I would uh, definitely go with, uh, with Mafe. Wow. That's a good transition to, you picked another edge rusher. That's going to be in the same class. There is this class of edge rushers. That's not quite the top tier. Obviously we know Hutchinson, uh, you know, Thibodeau, obviously Ajabo, but there is this little tier from, you know, late first round to second round. And you're picking another guy. Who's this edge rusher that we're going to talk about here. So we've talked about him a little bit, uh, Cameron Thomas from San Diego State. He's he's a guy that really could have benefited from the senior bowl, but unfortunately he got hurt early, so he wasn't able to, to, to do much, um, if anything at all. So he really needs to go out and, and put on a good showing at the combine and show that he can, um, you know, it's not just – lower competition and you know and he's gonna get drafted somebody's you know right. i think his floor is third round if anything um you know that's a that's a drastic tumble but um i could see him slipping pretty late into the second if he doesn't go out and really do well at the combat and we've seen this before where productive players tumble because they they um they test poorly orlando brown for the chiefs he tumbled in, into the third round uh because he he really did not test well and then um, there's there's been a few other guys, but I could see um, Cameron Thomas. Since there's not a lot of tape against elite competition, there wasn't there's not a lot to go off on the Senior Bowl. If he goes out and he looks stiff, he 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 kind of looks rigid. He doesn't look like the athlete that he looks like on film. 
he might start tumbling down some boards. Um, so I think it's really important for him for, for monetary value um, and, and draft value um, that he really goes out and, and puts on a good show. Yeah. I, you know, you watch him and just probably just cause he's number 99 and probably cause he's white, but he does, you know, you do kind of want to say, Oh, he looks like JJ Watt in the mountain West, right? Kind of the JJ. So he kind of has to have that, that frame though. Right. So I do think another thing they, that, is important for him is see how long his arms are how how big is his frame to play on the edge you know in the nfl obviously you know because he is kind of a heavier edge and and so we'll see you know if he kind of has the weight the physique uh you know that the nfl is looking for that's the cool thing about the combine and and mock draftable.com is a great source for any draft nerds out there but uh you know comparing past combine performances right seeing where guys are at in terms of you know, where, you know, this guy's arm length and weight, you know, that combination is that compared to another pass prospect, you can kind of compare those. That's what the NFL teams are going to be doing. So for him, it'll be important that he has kind of a, you know, an NFL level physique and, and I'm sure he will. It seems like he does. So I think that's a good one. So, yeah. So Mafe, Ebiketti, Cam Thomas, all guys that are going to get yeah, going to go in that late first round, uh, mid second round, possibly maybe late second round. I asked Talon about those two, between those two, and and honestly, uh, you know, I'll ask you again, maybe between the three. But Brian, I'm curious your thoughts. Maybe you know, we you've looked at these three, all three of these, I, I think by now. Um, you have a preference between the three edge rushers we just presented here? Yeah, I'm I'm Mafe too, and it comes down to not just that athletic profile, which he's definitely going to be at the top of, but I watching him really appreciate the hands and and the fact that they don't really ever stop, you know, that's something you don't necessarily see a whole lot of out of draft prospects. It's okay. The tackle beat me. He beat my first move, but then what, you know, he, he doesn't shut down. He has a and B and that's something you're going to need. And you, when you can do that and be a freak athletically, I think that that's something you can kind of bet on knowing that, he's not just relying on being faster and stronger than the other guy. He, he's bringing some other uh, football, you know, IQ type traits to the table that could translate into becoming a really special pass rusher. So definitely Mafe at the top amongst those three for me. Can't argue with that talent though. I will give you a chance maybe to, to say if you'd like Cam Thomas over the other two. At this point. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to lean toward Thomas. Um, nice, but nice. post combine that could that's very easily changeable. Yeah, no, that's and that's exactly why the combine is important, man. I mean, we're gonna get these numbers and we're gonna see exact. And that's the other thing; these guys have been preparing for this, so if they don't meet certain numbers, it's it's you know it's it's kind of on them at, in terms of if this combine didn't come as a surprise. They're they're working; they know what numbers they need to hit, they know what they need to perform at, and so it is an interesting process for these prospects here. Another guy, this is probably the hot, biggest name on this list, and a guy that, if you ask some people, there's no way he'll be at 30, and if you ask others, he should be at 30, or, or he has a good chance to be. That's USC's wide receiver, Drake London. Talked about him a little bit. I ranked him as the number two wide receiver in this class uh, a few weeks ago behind Garrett Wilson. I really like Garrett Wilson. I really do. But Drake London, I think him and Garrett Wilson are in that top tier together. But the reason he's on this list it's because he is a very unique player, and it it is important to see how fast he runs, how well he does on the three cone drills, all those kind of movement, uh, you know, drills. Because he is about six five, about two ten, and weight's going to be important even too to see what he do, you know what weight he runs at. 
he's about six five two ten. Is that what he? That's what he played at. That's a very unique size for an NFL receiver. You know, his his comparison you keep hearing, and the only reason you keep hearing it is because he's kind of the only example of the size really becoming an elite NFL receiver lately, I should say. And that's Mike Evans, uh, Tampa Bay Bucks wide receiver. That's kind of what Drake London is, but he gives you a little more, in my opinion. He's he's going to be a good contested catch player. I I can almost guarantee it. But I do think he's going to give you a little more before the catch, you know, uh, in terms or not. I shouldn't say before the catch, but just, you know, short routes, you know, yak quick. You know, he can take a bubble screen, do something with it. He can break tackles in the open field. And so all that to say, I think he's going to be a really good player. But if he doesn't run well, if he's not super fast for his size, if he's not this just ridiculously, you know, fast or quick human being for his size, six five two ten. He probably will slip because NFL, I, I think NFL teams have seen that these tall receivers, these kind of, they're kind of overrated. I feel, I feel like a lot of them come in the league and just do not do anything anymore. It's really about separation in today's NFL, creating separation. And that's something I think NFL teams might ding him for. He might not be creating separation like NFL teams kind of want him to. And, and I think he can overcome it. I'm confident he can. I think he's that special of a talent. But like I said, if he doesn't run well, if he doesn't put up those huge numbers this week, it, it could it could turn into one of those things where he, he is all of a sudden uh, late first, early second, instead of that top 10 talent that we all kind of thought he was at the beginning of this process. Plenty of good stuff there, and, and we know the Chiefs will be active not only in the draft, but also in free agency. Uh, I, I would just add one more thing before we get to the request. I think we got four requests here. I'll let you pick your favorite host okay. to uh, you know shoot us a question here. As we wrap up here on Chiefs Coast to Coast, fun stuff here, man. We're on Twitter Spaces today. It's going to post on the podcast page tomorrow, uh, and, and it's been really fun. I think uh, I think trust is important with whoever you got, man. And down the stretch of the second half of that AFC Championship game, I didn't see a lot of trust from 15 to a lot of different receivers. And, and, and ultimately, no matter who you bring in, they're going to have to build that chemistry very quickly with him, especially when it matters in the clutch some really fun stuff here mark appreciate you uh appreciate you giving us your wisdom and thank you for no betting advice as well because i would like to keep my house this time around well there's nothing to bet on right now uh aaron (laughs) as far as football goes so stop throwing that in my face you're not on the usfl lines or like (laughs) (laughs) like... give me a couple weeks man i gotta do some research i gotta do some research man are you ready to take some uh, people to speak, man? Okay. Yeah, let's do it. We'll do it. All right. Oh, the great Darren Smith is on here. Okay, let me add my guy. Darren Smith, man, one of the best following the Chiefs in the game. Oh, absolutely. Hey, what's up, man? Darren, you got us? Nah, I don't have It's okay. a smart have to bet your house. Okay. That's, that's the one good thing. Don't, don't, don't bet your house on anything. But I'm a- <laughs> <laughs> I got to respectfully disagree about this whole Juju Smith-Schuster thing. First of all, he had his chance to come to Kansas City last year, as we all know, and he decided to go back to Pittsburgh. This whole sentimental thing about Big Ben, Big Ben didn't have an arm, you know, before he got injured, so that, that that's not existing. The thing is, you got to keep in mind, the Chiefs were a half time away from getting back to the Super Bowl with the same receiver that they had last year. So while we talked about they looking for a number two receiver – they don't necessarily have to go out and be on the market to get one. They don't have to pay top dollar value because technically they got they got to have you know, they were just a half time away from going back to the Super Bowl with the talent and with the receivers that they've had over the last two three seasons. So 
you know, so if they if they want to get Allen Robinson or one of these other receivers, fine, but they don't have to pay top market value because at the end of the day, you still got back you still got back to the position of where you were at. And then finally on top of that, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter who they bring in. When it gets down to the clutch, Patrick is gonna go to Tyreek and he's gonna go to Travis, regardless of who the number two is. That's my that's my take on that. Thank you, Darren. I appreciate you trying to drill some sense into my co-host. I've been saying the same exact things. Oh, somebody, my God. Somebody out here listening. Appreciate you. Who, who's next, Mark? <laughs> I'm about to bring up Danny. He's been waiting in the queue for a minute. Danny looks like he's a very knowledgeable guy. Hey, Danny, unmute yourself, man. How's it going, y'all? Hey, uh, hey, boys. I just, I'm sorry. I just had a quick question. I'm sorry, right, y'all. Uh, I'm, I'm right here feeding my son, listening to y'all, talking about my Chiefs. I love it. I love hearing about it. Um, with, with that second half, my, my only issues were really like, we did a great job. You did a great job that first half and I, I loved every second of it, but my main issues were, were, we couldn't, we couldn't, we couldn't tackle Joe Burrow when he ran one issue I had, I would like to get rid of Frank Clark for sure. But one, one main thing I didn't like was like, when we're at the goal line, I would like to see the, the running of the ball more. And I was just thinking, I like Clyde. I love what we have with Darren. They were both hurt. Uh, McKinnon played great as well. But would you all like to see a bigger back back there? Like when we had uh, our boy back, who's in Cleveland now. Yeah, the defensive line is certainly going to be uh, addressed this offseason. I, I wrote this on Arrowhead Pride a little bit earlier this year. and You can go check that out. But I think KC's just going to end up cutting bait with Frank Clark after June 1st. Saves him about $19 million against the cap. And the cap number does not meet the production. Season or career lows since his rookie year, not only in sacks, but also in tackles. And uh, I think probably like we talked about with the enemy a little bit earlier, I think maybe just the relationship has come to an end with Frank Clark. There was a little tweet floating around earlier about them trying to trade him. I don't know who in their right mind would take that cap hit. I think Frank Clark is gone. and They try and revamp the defensive line. Chris Jones also has to show up in the postseason. I tweeted that after the game as well. 11 career postseason games for him and, and, and no sacks to show for it. I know how impactful he was in the Super Bowl and, and what he brings to that locker room in the regular season. But when winning time comes, uh, he, he hasn't shown up as of yet. And Kansas City's going to need him to show up when it matters. Yeah, and to address the running back question, and I'm going to get to you, Jonathan, next. So hold tight. I see you right there in the queue. So the Chiefs, the thing with running back is they're never going to have that primary guy right it's more of a running back by committee and with Andy Reid and his play calling style you're not gonna have a running back get 20 plus carries a game it's just not gonna happen so I'm okay with the running back by committee Clyde is good enough he's still a first round pick they're still got a lot of invested in him so they're gonna ride him out throughout his rookie contract I wouldn't be surprised if they bring back Jarek McKinnon on a one-year deal or even uh Darrell Williams as well I think that's fine I think that's totally fine I know there was a report today floating around by Adam Schefter that the Giants are open to listen to trade offers for Saquon Barkley, right? But the Chiefs are a team, in my opinion, that are not going to be in a, the market for that. I mean, obviously, he's a great talent, but he's a guy that wants to be a primary back, and also he can't stay healthy. That's the main thing. So I know people are kind of talking about that as well, so I want to address the Barkley rumors for they start getting crazy i don't think the chiefs are going to trade for saquon barkley uh let me get to you uh aaron you got something to say 
Yeah, I agree with you on running back by committee. And, and Reed has talked about that ad nauseum. He likes the ability to kind of go change a pace. Darrell Williams had a career year last year, and, and it's going to be hard to over, <laughs> overlook what he what he did in relief of, of Clyde Edwards-Alaire. But I would avoid maybe the, the phrase sophomore slump. He just got hurt last year, man. And, and he looked really good when he came back uh, kind of from that injury and was healthy. So they're going to have a little change of pace as far as the running back is concerned. But good question so far. Appreciate y'all uh, y'all uh, engaging with us here. Yeah, we're going to wrap here in about seven minutes. So if you have a question, send a request, and we'll try to squeeze you in here. But John- Jonathan, you're up. What's up, man? Hey, what's good? Um, <clears throat> my question is, is like about our corners. Like, what what do you think we should do um, about our corner situation? Should we address that in the drafts? And about our offensive line, like what what do you think we should on the offensive side? Like, should we beef it up a little bit more, or what is your take on that? Okay, I'll take the offensive line. You can take the cornerback question, Aaron. So, as far as the offensive line, their offensive line is set. They are they're good. They just got to worry about Orlando Brown's contract situation, but I think they're going to tag him. My uh, co-host thinks they're going to get the, the deal done, the long-term deal done this offseason. So either way, Orlando Brown will be their left tackle heading to next year. The only question mark is right tackle, right? Because you got Lucas Niang, who they spent a pretty high draft pick on, got hurt, and then you had Wiley take his spot, and he did a pretty good job. He did a pretty good job. But I think ideally – you want Lucas Niang to be that guy, but we just haven't seen enough to fully trust it yet. So that's the only question mark. As far as everything else, you're set. Like I said, you got Orlando Brown, you got Joe Tooney, you got Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith. Like from the left to the right, you're good besides right tackle. That's the only question mark you have on the O-line. Yeah, O-line is set. I agree with you there. As far as the corners are, are concerned, a little bit earlier, we talked about Charverius Ward and – uh, Brett Veach's comments today at the NFL Combine made it seem like he was a guy they were interested in bringing back. I wouldn't be shocked if he was a guy that came back for kind of that hometown discount. Pro Football Focus named him their most improved player. Um, so I think he's somebody that comes back to Kansas City and fits well in their scheme. And then obviously they're going to go shopping in the draft. Corner is one of those positions in the NFL you can never have enough. It's like pitching in Major League Baseball. There's always going to be corners. Teams are always looking for corner talent. Uh, I don't think they go and swing for the home run and try and look at a guy like J.C. Jackson or anything like that. I think the Chiefs are going to be penny pitchers and, and try and stay as efficient as they can at the corner position. But Ward, a guy in the draft, and they go from there, is my opinion, on the corner position. All right, you can unmute now. Okay. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. All right, yeah. So I'm calling from Dallas, Texas. Uh, Chiefs fan. I'm going to show my age here, but a Chiefs fan since the Steve DeBerg broken finger days. And uh, I want to know what you guys think about pass rusher in the draft, using that first pick on a good pass rusher, if there's any that you think that we, could, that we can get, maybe uh, that dude from Penn State. I know the pass rushers that are out there seem like they're not good run stoppers, but I don't think that's an issue with us, with our fast linebackers and our defensive tackles. So uh, pass rusher and then a, a number two wide receiver in that second round, uh, you know, somebody that's big, maybe a guy from USC or – whoever you think would be in that second round uh, for a wide receiver too. I think we got enough speed guys, but we need a big possession guy. Hey, Gunnels, that's all you. He said your catchphrase, wide receiver too. 
Yeah, I'll take that. You can take the pass rusher angle on this. So, and I'll say one thing about pass rusher too, though. I think they're going to go after Von Miller in free agency. I know you mentioned the draft, but I think Von Miller is the guy they're going to try to go after. He won a ring in L.A. He loves Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he always raves about him. So I would be shocked if they make a play there. But as far as wide receiver goes in the draft, I don't think Drake London is going to make it that far, even to the Chiefs' first-round pick. I think he's going to be like a top-20 guy, and he's like that prototypical big-body receiver that you want. But there is a guy in the second round that I think could be there and I really like, and that's David Bell from Purdue. I've been high on him since high school. I had a friend that he went to the same high school, so he told me about him a long time ago. And, I mean, if you watched him against the big-time teams in the Big Ten, like Ohio State, Wisconsin, things like that, like Michigan State, he had his best games against those type of teams. So he's a guy that I'll look forward to in the second round if you want to go that route. But uh, I'll let you take the rest, Aaron. Yeah, I think they're going to be aggressive not only in the draft and free agency. I, I'm not going to point out any names for y'all. That's not my area of expertise. Obviously, they, they need to revamp the defensive line. I don't think Frank Clark is going to be there, as we talked about a little bit earlier. But let's try and squeeze one more question in here before we get out of here. Yeah, so we're going to end it with good luck, Chuck. <laughs> What's up, man? Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Aaron, you ain't got to be like that, man. <laughs> now, nah, uh, my question to y'all is this. Um, it, it sounds like, what I was going to ask is this. It sounds like y'all willing to spend the most money on the defensive line position. What I was going to ask is that, what's the most money which you was, what's the most money you would spend on a free agency position-wise? Uh, I think there's going to have to be a flurry of moves made before we know what kind of level the Chiefs are at. Right now, it seems like they're bargain bin shopping because they haven't made those other moves. Like we said, the Orlando Brown move earlier. Are we bringing Tyron Matthew back? It, like, you have to figure out what your space is before you figure out where you're going to be spending. I have a very hard time thinking that the Chiefs are going to be home run hitters in, in, in this year's free agency. So if guys are asking for, for big time money, 20 mil, stuff like that, I, just, I have a hard time case, seeing KC do that. What do you think, Mark? I think the only scenario where they would do that would be a one-year type of prove-it deal, right? Like a guy, like I know I mentioned him earlier, and I think he's not going to come now because of Matt Nagy, but like an Allen Robinson, right? He's 28 years old, close to 30, kind of had some up-and-down years, especially this last year with Chicago. Never played with a good quarterback before, but he could be like a one-year prove-it guy, right? I think that's the type of guy you're looking for, or like a veteran, but like a Von Miller. Like, I don't think Von Miller is going to warrant, you know, big bucks. You know, you can get him probably like one year, I don't know, 12, 13, maybe 14 million. So, but I agree, like, essentially, as far as like a long-term deal, like, you're not going to have a guy on your books 20 million a year for over four years, right? But like a one-year deal, I could see that. But a lot of guys, they want that long-term security. So you're probably not really going to realistically get a guy like that on a one-year, like, $20 million deal, one-year, $18 million deal. But there are some rare cases where that could occur. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. 
That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, let's get into this NFL Combine from yesterday. And I think the first thing that Andy Reid wanted to do and this was, and I want to emphasize this, this was before he was asked a question yesterday. Right. I wanted to talk mm-hmm. about offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. Let's go to that sound. This whole thing with Eric Bieniemy um, that's been written has gotten kind of fabricated. We, we were on vacation, and, uh, and over the two weeks I came back, and all of a sudden it was that I didn't like Eric, and Eric didn't like me and Pat Mahomes and everybody else, and that's not the case. I mean, we all get along good, and, and uh, um, I'm glad he's – back with us and rolling. So um, I thought he'd potentially get a head coaching job, which I would have been happy with too, but that's not how it worked out. So anyway, I just want to put that to rest. The rest of the time is yours. All right. So as you hear Andy Reid there using the word fabricated and reassuring, and I think before any questions were asked by what is all of the media of the NFL, just making sure that everybody knew that they are behind the enemy and Mahomes. Now, I, I want to make it clear. I, I don't know if this necessarily means there weren't any issues, but right. what I, I think he's saying is the typical issues that happen when you're in the heat of a football game. And maybe there'll be right. some adjustments, but that is something. And I think the grand takeaway is we're going to work this out internally where all engines go here. Right. I, I, I don't think he could have uh, been reasonably expected to push back on it any harder than he did. Um you know, I, as a, as a, as I pointed out in an article the other day, I would expect a team that just failed to score uh, anything with time left in the half and having a first and ten at the fifteen yard line. I, I wouldn't. I would expect any good team to argue about that at halftime. And uh, so I think it's reasonable to think that they argued about it, that there was discussion about it. It might have been heated, but that doesn't mean these guys don't like each other. That doesn't mean they're going to fire the offensive coordinator in the offseason. And that's the I think that's what Andy was communicating uh, yesterday was that, you know, yeah, we're all fine with each other, you know, (laughs) and (laughs) how hard is that to figure out, you know? No, they've been it, fine with each other all this time how would that have changed because they had an argument at halftime it's true and and i think another point that i i thought about this as well is it's a little bit of the sign of the times because if some random what would be message board on the internet in the early mm-hmm. 2000s or whatever wrote up a story it it just didn't have the means to go as right. viral and, and reach the surface as it does now and for right. the head coach of the chiefs andy Reid of 21 years having to really address what is a random rumor and rumbling that went for lack of better terms viral 
it's interesting. It's interesting mm-hmm. the power I think that fans have nowadays, the power that anyone has for these things to really go wild, and then you have to to kind of uh, address them. I, I think such a sign of the times. I think the the best case scenario, and I think this is once again, and I'm I'm going to repeat it. I think it's once again what the the Chiefs are are rooting for is for Eric Bieniemy. Since we last spoke in the editor show, to take another year as offensive coordinator put everything he has into this and allow this to be the year that he finally grabs his head coaching position or what would be again, as we've discussed on previous shows, we don't go, I have to go back in the detail, but that offensive play caller, offensive coordinator role that has eluded him a little bit. And, and we'll see how it goes. And a big part of that is we, we mentioned the enemy being brought back for one year. Also, since we last talked, John, uh, Matt Nagy, has been added to the fold. Former Chiefs offensive coordinator, former Bears head coach, was let go by the Chicago Bears and became available. And here was Andy Reid on Matt Nagy. Yeah, I probably should have had that in there. It's great to have Matt back. Um, I I thought it was important that um, that continuity that we've had um, uh, between Eric, the quarterback coach, you know, the offensive staff. So, I thought that that was important. So Matt was a logical answer to that if he wanted to do that. I didn't know where he'd be at after being a head coach, but he was fired up to do it, and Eric was fired up. So I go, let's go. You know, we'll we'll roll it in there and take it from there. So Reed calls Matt the logical answer, mm-hmm. reaffirms that Eric Bieniemy is behind this. Mm-hmm. Happy family. It is a little interesting the dynamic. Let's let's say that because Nagy was the offensive coordinator right. where Eric, he was Eric Bieniemy was under him. Sometimes things in, in life happens where you get reversed. I think Matt Nagy's additional senior offensive assistant takes care of that a little bit. Here, mm-hmm. Here's the reality of it: Matt Nagy as a quarterbacks coach is going to be heavily involved in this offensive game plan. It's going to be a four-headed monster, similar to what it's been where with Mike Kafka mm-hmm. who left the right. New York Giants, where it's going to be. Mahomes, Reed, it'll be B enemy, and it'll be Nagy. Mm-hmm. And I think the key for this too is, and I, I've said this on Twitter, wasn't really met with with the greatest uh, response, but I, I really do feel like <laughs> Nagy with that connection to Brett Veach and them going to school together in Delaware. Andy Reed is in his 60s, and I, I think someday down the road, should the Chiefs continue to have success, should Mahomes now get really comfortable with Matt Nagy, should be enemy, get promoted next year mm-hmm. in, in some capacity, and Nagy can become the offensive coordinator. I'm thinking 25, 26-ish. Nagy is going to be in prime position to become the next head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. And and let's not kill him. I, I think for the Chicago Bears days, he didn't pick Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky needed some work, right. probably entered the fold a little too Raw, similar in a sense to to Trey Lance, except the 49ers didn't start Trey Lance. The Bears went all in on this guy, trading up to to get him and thought he would be game ready. The word around Trubisky, he spent the year as a backup in Buffalo, is that he will be a starter somewhere this year, which remains to be seen. It was a guy that needed more seasoning. I think Nagy made the best of a a possible situation in Chicago. It included a coach of the year award, which is wild to see that he was fired Mm -hmm. just two years later. And so, just like Trubisky needed a little bit more seasoning, maybe Nagy can get a little bit more seasoning now. And we're not talking the 2022 version of Nagy as a potential head coach of the Chiefs. We're talking what would be, I would guess, three to four years from now and working side by side 
uh, with Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid, by design, makes the quarterbacks coach so important to this team and, and what they mean. And when you revolve around an elite quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, you're going to live and die by that quarterback's coach in a sense. And so that's why Kafka was in prime position for the Giants to reach mm-hmm. out and say, we want right. you to be our offensive play caller. And now Nagy is in that situation. And I, I know it's been a weird offseason. I'm not going to lie about that. It's been very right. weird when it comes to the offensive coaching staff. But I, I, I feel comfortable for the first time in a while after these press interviews. I know they're saying a little bit of the coach speak and the organization speak. But I just try to fast forward my brain a little bit. And let's say the Chiefs go 4-0. and I almost said the S word. What if they go 2-0? and I don't know how many people are going to be overly concerned anymore. It's just a, you know mm-hmm. the, the wound is so fresh and there's been all this random rumors and rumblings and and I don't know I I think I think the offensive coaching staff is in a very good situation with these four guys. I I would agree and, and yeah there's going to be some awkwardness if you have a guy come in as a coordinator who's a former head coach. But it's not like this never happens in the NFL it happens all the time that coordinators uh become uh, head coaches because they had a run of success with one team and they aren't as successful as head coaches and they become coordinators again. This is, this is unlike real life. You know, normally if you have a guy who uh, advances to what, <laughs> what is sometimes called his level of incompetence, um, he's normally gone. But in the NFL, it's not unusual for what we've seen happen here happen that a guy it becomes a a, an offensive or a defensive coordinator becomes a head coach doesn't do well then becomes a coordinator again we saw this uh with todd haley you know he was uh, considered to be a hot prospect as an offensive coordinator with the cardinals when he was hired as the chief's head coach he did very poorly as the chief's head coach on a lot of different levels and then became a successful offensive coordinator uh with pittsburgh for a number of years and, you know, I, I'll be honest, I never liked Haley very much. And I didn't, didn't think he, didn't like I, I didn't think he was going to do well right from the beginning because I didn't think he had enough experience as a head coach. But it was hard not to like his credentials as an offensive coordinator. And in Pittsburgh, he did a pretty good job for most of his years there. And uh, uh, so it's not that unusual for this kind of thing to happen. And I, I, I don't think that... Um, I don't think coaches are bothered by it that much. Otherwise, you wouldn't see it happen as often as it does. So, yeah, I get why people are worried about it, why they're concerned about it. But um, all indications are that everybody's on board with it. And, and, and like you say, Pete, these guys have worked together before, and uh, there's no reason to think they can't work together again. What I will say is that I don't think we hear any more about this. I, I think yeah. Reed. Yeah. And his opening statement was the last he is going to let any mm-hmm. information or anything leak through the cracks and they're moving forward. And yeah, and, and I think that's a good thing. I think enough of this. Right. I mean, I, it, you know, if you're a Chiefs fan and you want to hold Eric the enemy accountable, I think that's fine. But if you really want this yeah. team to win, I, I think it's best for everybody to move on from whatever sort of happened, because it is what it is. This is a coaching staff right. for the 2022 season. All right, speaking of the 2022 season, we still have some question marks about some important players and whether or not they'll be back for 2022. The Tyron Matthew saga continued in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine, wondering if this player, who's been really important to the Chiefs, 
who is due to become a 2022 unrestricted free agent, will be back. Here's General Manager Brett Feach. Yeah, typically all the players on our roster, um, if their agents are here, we always make it a point to um, grab a dinner or, or, or just um, catch them in, in, in between workouts and what have you. But again, that goes with all the players on our roster from um, 1 down to 53. It's always good to keep those communications and the dialogue open, so we'll certainly do that with Tyron and his people. John, you covered this for Arrowhead Bride. A little bit more of the same, not really mm-hmm. a ton yeah. of detail there. I, I think we need to play it because we always need to play the sound on on someone so important but i don't think anything really changed with that statement what do you think i agree well this has been consistent uh you know starting a year ago when there was discussion about matthew being extended before the end of his contract you and i both thought that would happen right Mm -hmm. up until the beginning of the season we were both thinking yeah this is going to happen before the season begins and then it didn't and the messaging that we got from both sides was just like it was yesterday. Tyron loves to be here. We love Tyron to be here. We're going to work to get a deal done, but we don't know what that looks like yet. And that's where we are now. I thought it was interesting yesterday uh, that the, the siren, can you hear the siren there? Yeah, siren test day. Yes. <laughs> um, I thought it was interesting that, um, uh, that Veach would go back to this well of talking about uh, how much they, they like him and speak of it as, uh, as the beginning of a process as if they haven't really talked before, but you know, the situation is a little different in that respect. A year ago, he still had a year to play that years behind him. That changes the information, the, the situation a little bit and on what they can and can't do and what the money means and, and all of those things, you know, It's just where it was that the Chiefs want to bring him back. They clearly value his leadership skills on the field. The players clearly value it. They talk about it all the time, just like uh, Reed and Veach do. And uh, fans may not see Matthew as as a big contributor on the field, but the team clearly feels differently about it. Uh, Whether or not they can make a deal that works, we don't know. We didn't know yesterday before yesterday. We don't know now. But uh, as I said on Twitter yesterday, if they don't make a deal, it's not because they don't like him. That's one what of the it comes things down to. One of the things we've been doing this offseason on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show is running a poll for you guys in the morning. We've been reading it at the end, but since it has to do with this, we'll read the poll of the day today. And it was after the Chiefs press conferences from the NFL Combine. How do you feel about Tyron Matthews staying for? what would be the 2022 season. We've got a thousand votes, John, which is usually the breaking point for how it, how the vote usually goes. 15.8%. So about 16% are more confident about 59% feel about the same and about Mm -hmm. 26% feel less Hmm. confident. And I, I can I again I, I feel about the same but I can understand where the less confident is coming from and that's a fourth of the fans because it wasn't necessarily a statement of we'll get this done it right. was just more of the yeah. same and yeah. sometimes more of the same makes you feel less confident right yeah I can see that there were statements that you know he could have came out and said he's a priority for us similar mm-hmm. to how they've talked about Orlando Brown. Here's Brett Feach on Orlando Brown Jr. Yeah, I would say, well, first off with Orlando, I'm sure that's likely. Um, we're going to work hard to get a deal done with him. And, and Herbie, after the uh, the Cincinnati game, we had a chance to talk. Um, you know, we communicated that 
we certainly love Tyron, and Tyron loves loves being here. This is actually the start of that process now. So once the season ends, kind of the the coaches do their deal, and and we sit back and we collect all the information we get with the coaches after they go through their scheme evaluations, and we know that once Indy rolls around, that we'll have a chance to obviously on one end see all the great college prospects. But on the other end, have an opportunity to talk with our players, agents, and, and exchange information. So we'll start that process this week, and and um, hopefully everything ends in a, in a positive direction. So you hear that? Like that—that's the difference in Brian right. and Matthew. Uh, you, you hear them saying, "We love Matthew," which I believe to be true. This was a, a key right. part of the Super Bowl title team. But the language on the Brown is he'll be here, right. and it's just so obvious. Now, different situations, the Chiefs can use the franchise tag on well i guess not completely different they could use it on matthew but uh, it's been the case for a long time where it's probably going to be brown that gets the tag and we anticipate that in the next six or so days that's the window where they tag brown and buy themselves more time to discuss what would be either a long-term contract extension or he just plays on the tag i've said this for a long time i i think it's been the plan all along with his representation for him to play on the tag, give the Chiefs two years to see him improve. If he can shore up that left tackle position, he'd still be at the age of 25, 26, and then you work on a long-term deal. Other stranger things have happened where maybe the Chiefs find a, a window. We saw really create activity with Patrick Mahomes' contract. We saw creativity with the Chris Jones contract when they knew, knew they needed the space to sign certain players. So I think this is still... Out in the open, I, I think this can still go a number of different ways, but I, I'm I'm continuing to believe that he'll play 2022 on the tech. You know, I haven't really thought about this much before today, but there could be something to uh, in this situation that gives them a little more incentive to do a long-term deal with Orlando Brown at this point, because it would open up the possibility of franchise tagging Matthew if they don't feel that they can uh, then make a deal with him. Uh, for a long-term contract that gives them cap relief this year. Um, I hadn't really thought about that before today, but just listening to you talk now, Pete, I wondered if 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 this may be more of a, a factor than we've realized, that uh, they're, they'll, they're perfectly willing to use the franchise tag on Brown. They pretty much made that clear yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, and it's going to be on uh, among their options. But they would have more flexibility if they can get a deal done with him again, if they can make one that they think works given the situation as it now exists, because there is some, you know, there is a, a, a fair point to be made that we need to see more from him before we give him a long-term deal. I think that's fair. The coronavirus uh, impact on the cap affects us too, because it should right, jump, right. It should jump back up. It's still right. Lower than expectations of long-term planning mm-hmm. dating back to, 18 19 etc when when beach was trying to figure out how to get patrick mahomes under the cap and so it's it's still at a certain point this year that's adjusted for coronavirus and with new tv money and yada yada it is finally expected to jump up in the coming years quite a bit yeah in 2023 Mm. so what you could do in this type of deal is have the signing bonus sort of pay him right for this year and then put put the bigger hits later Mm-hmm. So who knows? I, I, there is a scenario where that happens. I If it does happen, I don't think it's happening this week. I think this week will no doubt be the tag. And then maybe you see it before training camp in the summer if they're able to figure something out as they go. I, I, I agree. I just think that it's it's it just occurs to me that there may be some there may be some additional pressure 
depending on what this real substance of their conversations with uh, Matthew's representation is. Um, you know, if, if it's, you know, if there's, if there's no way they can reach any kind of a deal, maybe they don't even want to pay Matthew on the franchise tag, but mm. you know, that just, that's, that's dependent on how much they value his leadership, which is kind of an unknown quantity in this, in this equation, right, um, right. you know, what that's worth. That's always the problem with these situations. Matthew is obviously not being paid for his production. He never has been. He's mm. been paid because of the leadership that he brings to the team. And that was on clear display in his first season with Kansas City. And I think to some extent in this most recent season, even just by the way players and coaches talk about it, the question is how much is that worth? And that's really hard for us to on the outside to, to really get a handle on that you know and i i'll reiterate this point that i made on previous shows defensive back production is just it's hard to really put and, and oh, grasp yeah. with your hands just because if you're doing your job maybe they're not throwing the ball your way right right mm -hmm. if matthew's shading one side of the field maybe they go the other way so that complicates mm -hmm. things right. as well all right so we'll see about matthew and brown some lesser known free agents that are entering the pool Traveris ward the cornerback and byron pringle the wide receiver both had good years for the chiefs mm -hmm. plural and Pringle really broke out this year and Ward continued to show up as what would be the Chiefs' pseudo number one cornerback. I know you can make a case for Legereus Sneed, but here was Veach first you'll hear on Ward. And then we'll follow that with Byron Pringle. Uh, he, he's a really good player and, um, you know, talk about what he's accomplished over the last four years and, you know, acquiring him via trade from Dallas. And then uh, early on, right off the bat, he showed how talented he was on special teams, and then year by year he got better and better and better, and, and he's certainly a guy that, um, just like Tyron and, and other these and some more of these players, we're going to have dialogue with them. i uh, love to have Shaverius back. I think he's a talented player. He's done well in our scheme. Um, coaches like him. I like him, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you have to work through in free agency when you have a talented roster and try to get as many of these guys as you can and keep these guys under contract. Um, but he'll be a guy that... We'll certainly look forward to spending a lot of time with here in the next few weeks. Well, I mean, Byron's another guy like like War that over the years is he's developed into a really good football player and uh, both on special teams and you know in our wide receiver sets and, and he's another guy. Um, I think it's a good thing because we have a lot of these guys and that that are good players, so it's a good problem to have. But again, just like Charverius and a number of these other players, um, we're not going to lose sight of these guys and, and look forward to getting with them and their agents this week and, and hopefully try to retain as many of these players as we can. So this is simple to me. I think Ward is going to price himself out just because I think he's good enough for another team to maybe pay more than the Chiefs want to pay. And the Chiefs know him for what he is, which I would say is a slightly above average cornerback. And, and maybe if you can find yourself a, an average quarterback, a cornerback, either on the free agent market or, or you can draft one maybe you're keeping Matthew it remains to be seen who could help him and, and bring him along. You do have a Jerry Sneed who can, could help what would be a younger player along. Maybe it is a free agent. I just don't think the chiefs are going to be willing to commit what Ward may command, which is maybe six, seven, eight. Who knows if it's even higher than that. If, if it really gets competitive for his services, a pretty versatile player for the chiefs. There's also Byron Pringle Pringle to me, is more of a player that'll be back for that lower end mm -hmm. deal yeah. that he still has some proving to do. Ward 
I think has tipped the scale a little bit and Pringle hasn't yet. I, I think he's most valuable to the chiefs Yeah, that's fair. Uh, more than what would be other teams. And so of these two, I, I think I'm betting that Ward walks to another team and gets a handsome payday while Pringle is back on a lower end contract. Well, for Ward's sake, you know, uh, I hope that's true. I hope he gets that big payday. I'm not convinced it will happen. I've said before, uh, I feel that Ward doesn't get enough credit for what he does. And some of that has to do with his status entering the league as an undrafted free agent. We got number 24. We got the Dallas Cowboys here. I think this is where we'll see Jordan Davis maybe go off if he falls all the way here. Just because, you know, Jerry Jones, man, he wants to, he wants to get a big name. He wants to get the guy that people know maybe. Um, you know, Micah Parsons last year obviously makes sense. You know, keep adding that defense. That offense is really good, man. I mean, maybe the offensive line could be kind of, su- you know, supplemented a little more in terms of, you know, they're getting a little older. They do need to maybe have, you know, have some more guys ready, uh, you know, especially at offensive tackle. You know, a guy like Kyron Smith isn't going to play forever. But with the value as it is right here, I think it's, I think they're going to go Jordan Davis, shore up that middle of the defense, give them a, you know, a, another guy that can really, you know, make plays on defense. And, you know, I know, you know, people have soured on Jordan Davis a little bit just in terms of, oh, is he just this one tech nose, t- nose tackle that doesn't do much besides run stuff? I think he does give you a little more still. I, I, I do think so. Um, I, I think he is super quick for his size, and I think he could be a little more impactful than just, you know, a, a, a early down run stuffer. So I got Jordan Davis here. Any reaction to that pick, Talon? I like it. It's a very Jerry Jones type pick. You're, you're right. Um, he likes to to get big name or uh, big name guys, you know, wherever he picks. So I, I think this is, this is a very Dallas Cowboys pick and it's a good pick. Jordan Davis is for his size moves very well. Um, and I think he would be very disruptive for that defense for sure. hundred percent. Love that pick. <laughs> Bills at 25. Who you got? Bills at 25. Um, you know, we kind of saw Gabriel Davis, you know, emerge as, as a, viable option for Josh Allen and obviously they have Stefan Diggs. Um, but you know, you, you look at Buffalo and where can they get better? I, I see Perry on Winfrey on the board. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about him, um, but I'm going to go Drake London. Um, I think pairing Woo! him with, with Diggs and Davis, you're, you're giving, you're giving Josh Allen um, all the weapons in the world in the, in the, in the aerial attack, which, which he needs, he needs weapons to be effective as a passer. Cause we know what he can do as a runner. He has an offensive line in front of him where, where they can throw in those quarterback design runs and, and all that. But you just add all these weapons around him and my gosh, you, you, you make Buffalo 50, 50 offense. That's, that's very scary with a guy like Josh Allen. And, and um, yeah, I think Drake London with his size and um, with his route running ability, his, his intermediate kind of, kind of uh, uh, value in terms of, of, of where to fit him in the offense. Yeah. I like him a lot paired with Diggs and get with Davis. I think London would be a pretty, pretty good steal for the Buffalo bills. It would be a steal, man. It definitely would be. I, I London's my wide receiver too. I feel really good about him. I think in this draft, my head keeps going predictively. I'm not going necessarily off of what I would do. I kind of keep going what I kind of think the team would do. Which you know there there is two different things, right? That is two different exercises, um, and and maybe uh, maybe I need to lock in one day on actually doing what I would do because Drake London would be much higher on this on on this board um, if I was doing exactly what I would do for each 
pick. And I'm kind of going back and forth. I don't know exactly what I'm doing here. It's our first mock. It's our first, you know, full first round mock. We're just picking guys as we want them. And then the Titans are here at 26. So I feel like the Titans are one of those teams that like, I feel like they don't have like one huge need. I feel like they just have a bunch of different kind of like more minor needs, I guess. They're one of those teams that seems to always be pretty good, but like at the same time, it's like, how did they get this good? I mean, I know they have Derrick Henry, but um, so I'm thinking corner here, although I don't think McCreary would be the pick for them. Um, I just don't think, I don't know. I think, I don't think McCreary is going to go very high. The more I, 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 you know, his arms are so short, man. And, and that is what's going to be a big deal to teams. Kyler Gordon is on the board. You know, that makes sense to me too. That corner, I think corner is always a good pick for the Titans. You know, they could use trench help too. Oh man, this is tough, but I think I'm going to stick with the trench help. I think a guy like Kenyon Green is just a safe pick here. He's a, he's a versatile guy. I mean, some people maybe think he could maybe play some tackle. Maybe I'm not hundred percent sure about that, but Titans need trench help on both sides of the ball. I'll give him Kenyon Green, the the interior offensive lineman from Texas A&M here. And that leaves you with the 27th pick. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are up here. What are you thinking here? The Tom Brady-less Bucks, man. This is going to be weird. It is going to be weird. Um, and when you hear Arians talk, he's he seems to have a lot of belief in Kyle Trask um, and not a lot of belief in the quarterback class for this year, which is fine. Um, so I think what they're going to do, you're losing Chris Godwin. Um, you still have Mike Evans. Um, man, Chris Olave is sitting there. He he just ah. he, he just ran a blazing four two six. He's you know he's uh, he has good tape. He has detractors. He has stuff that you can you know detract him on and, and say, well, he he doesn't check this box. He didn't check that box. The fact of the matter is, you bring this guy in. He's produced on the field. He's he he's put together good tape. He tested well at the combine you're starting to run out of reasons to not like this guy. Um, so yeah, he falls to, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who kind of are, are seem to be doing everything they can to keep the pieces together um, from the Super Bowl team. So yeah, Chris Olave here, I think he falls. And um, I think this is a pretty good pick for Buccaneers and, and, and they feel a, a pretty, pretty good need. You have no clue. You just took my pick for the Packers at number 28. Uh, I I thought I had it made in the shade there, Chris Olave with the Packers. So, no, I, yeah, I think Olave might even go higher than this now that he did run that blazing 40. We know NFL teams love to value that speed, and and it's not like he was just a speed guy. You know, he, he's a very good route runner. He was a really good player at Ohio State. I prefer Garrett Wilson, but I think it's just two different styles of player, man. I think they both could be really good in, in different types of, of roles in the NFL. So, Tampa Bay gets better at receiver there. Number 28. Man, I still think I'm just going to give them, you know, upgraded receiver. I think Jahan Dotson right here gives them a guy that, you know, I, I you know, he ran pretty fast. Like honestly, off the top of my head of camera, it was in the four threes, correct? I mean, it was like four three, it was four three something, Jahan Dotson today. Yeah, he ran well. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he's, and no, he's a lighter dude, but, you know, in my head here, you know, whether or not the Packers do retain Devontae Adams or not, or Aaron Rodgers or not. You need to give your new quarterback, you know, a good receiver. They've never really had that that true number two. And I think actually Jahan Dawson would really compliment Devontae Adams if he were to stay. You know, um, I, I think he makes sense as a, a zero slot. And then Devontae Adams is your typical X, although obviously he's so good. You can play wherever. But now the Packers, this is always a pick that everyone makes. They take a receiver, right? Well, uh, in the first round. Well, they never do. But this year I'm making them do it. Jahan Dawson at number 28. And that leaves you with the Dolphins at number 29. What are you thinking? 
So Dolphins here, um, you know, they got their new their new head coach. Um, is, I kind of forget his name right now, uh, but it came from San Francisco. Mike Campbell, is that it? No, McDaniel. Mike, Mike McDaniel. Thank you. Yes. Um, Mike McDaniel. Yeah, he, he seems like a cool cat, interesting cat. I, I'm kind of <laughs> intrigued by him. Right. Um, so yeah, so I'm not really sure what they're going to do with this first pick, um, but I think right now you kind of you know you look at your your overall team. You have your quarterback. I don't think you need to mess with that. I think two is fine. Um, you look at the defense, who's on the board. Perron Winfrey is, is, is you know, it's never bad to address the trenches. Roger McCreary, you have, you know, you just kind of, you settle things with, with, um, uh, help me out here, with Xavier Howard, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I think you're okay at corner. So Devin Lloyd is sitting there and I think he would be a really nice fit for, for the dolphins um, and, and almost a BPA type of approach. And I think Devin Lloyd here, um, there's a few spots he could have gone. You look at you, even I've seen him mocked as early as nine to the Broncos. I think Bucky yeah. Brooks has a nine. I have a, a buddy who, who lives out of here, LAFB, uh, shameless plug, Ryan Dyer, um, <laughs> one of my good buddies, but he, he's a big fan of Lloyd, but yeah, man, tumbling all the way to 29, I think is a great steal for the dolphins and, um, yeah, not really sure what direction to go for them. You know, right here, you, you have a need at running back, you have a need at receiver, but there's not really anybody jumping off the page at you. Man, go get Devin Lloyd. This is just the best football player left on the board, and he's going to make your team better, and that's all that matters at this point. Talon left me his favorite player. I th- that's probably why you didn't pick th- – I noticed you didn't say Daxon Hill's name when you are running through those names. You wanted the Chiefs to get Daxon Hill here. I got to run. I got to run to the, you know, the commissioner with the card on this one. Um, Especially when you look at the rest of the board, we'll talk this out real quick. I mean, you know, uh, we're looking at TDN's predictive board, so it's not necessarily exactly, you know, everyone's draft board, but some of the other guys have left that the chiefs could consider interior defensive lineman, Perry on Winfrey, Oklahoma, Roger McCreary, the cornerback from Auburn, DeMarvin Leal, Texas A&M, Cam Thomas. We know talent likes Cam Thomas from the edge from San Diego state. Jaquan Brisker, the safety from Penn State, is still there as well. Um, you know, Boye Mafe, we talked about him. That's a possible pick at 30. But, man, when you're talking about a guy that could just help in multiple ways on the defense, you know, I really think Daxon Hill, first of all, we're going to see him on Sunday. He's probably going to test so well, we're probably not going to be able to see him at 30. But we're living in an imagination world where Daxon Hill is not tested yet. And so, yeah, he's here at 30. Yeah, I just think. He could, he's already so good, you know, closer to the line of scrimmage. He's very athletic, but he can, you know, he can make tackles. He can make plays, you know, man-on-man coverage in the slot. But he can, you know, I, I do think he has the development and and the possibility to also just be in every position as a safety, you know, whether, you know, he has he has the athleticism to be a, a, a deep safety. He has, you know, the 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 prerequisite strength and power, I guess, at, at his size, you know, to make tackles, you know, in the flat, like a luxurious need kind of. So I think Daxon Hill makes a lot of sense for the Chiefs. And this is why I'll give you the opportunity too to to make sure you know you you catch your guy. This is Town's guy, and you know I I'm just glad that the Chiefs got him here. What are your thoughts on the Daxon Hill falling to the Chiefs? Hey, look, it is what it is, right? Dolphins, there's just not a need of safety. They they don't need Daxon Hill. <laughs> Devin Lloyd's a better choice for them. Um, so yeah, Chiefs get a steal, man. Daxon Hill, yeah, I, I love Dax, man. He's he's I would be I would be floored if he's sitting there at thirty. Uh, the dude is is gonna turn some heads at the combine. He's already turned a lot of heads, but yeah, I love this pick. And if all goes well, depending on who's there and how the board plays out, um, yeah, Daxon Hill at thirty would be would be great. Um, 
may obviously it all just depends on on how free agency goes and 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 who's sitting there and and what the Chiefs really need. But Daxon Hill is going to make the Chiefs defense better if he, if he's a, if he's added. 